0: Well, welcome. Um, I know my dad said to me uh, last week that he wouldn't be coming because he thought it, would, it was a women's meeting. So I said, No, no, no. We do. We, you are still very much welcome because I'm not going to be speaking on menstrual cycles and hormones. So <laughs> all the men in the room can take a deep breath. It's going to be fine. I promise. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I see that deep breath. Um, some, some might wonder, okay, well, where, where's the women's camp and where is the women's ministry at? And I felt that God wanted to just me to explain what is going on. Sheldon and I have led this church coming up in February for nine years. In that nine-year span, I've tried to start a women's ministry twice, and it's tanked both times. Um, of course, I, I spent at least four years blaming myself that there was something wrong with me until God spoke to me and he said, the order's off in the house. And when the order isn't right in the house, you see, a woman's ministry can fly like that. Because women, this is what we do. We love to chat. We love to get to the depths of our emotions and God, and we get there really easily. So women's ministries can fly. But... I feel like we're coming into a season where heaven's order is very, very much priority on God's heart, and heaven's order is that the men are set free. And I can tell you now, I had a chat with Sheldon last night, and he sent me a video this morning, something very significant is happening on that camp. This morning, it was before breakfast time, and a lot of the men had just gathered in the room and just started to worship, and God started to move. So you can be sure the order has been set. And once that order is set, the women's ministry is going to fly. And that's what I'm waiting for. Um, So I'm not against women's ministry. I just am waiting for the timing of the Lord, and that is coming. So I did feel when I was hanging the washing on Friday, again, I I always say that's my holy ground, is that when I was praying for the men's camp, the words, freedom strategy, is what God is wanting to do with our men this weekend, giving them a strategy of freedom and um, thus giving their homes strategies of freedom. So this week's been interesting, and I've known leading up to this that the, I would be preaching this morning, and it's very weird for a short person to be down on the ground. I'm kind of struggling, <laughs> but you can see me, and I can see you, so that's fine. I'm so used to being up there, and I've got a view, because I don't normally have a view. But it took a bit of time to get to this preach this morning. And I backed and I forced and I fought with God. And just, nothing was landing. It's always like the very thing you think it's going to be. Yeah, it's not. That happens to be just like a sentence in the whole preach. But what God started to get hold of me with was transition. And I felt the line positioned for transition. And so, yes, I banked that into Google, and goodness me, there's preachers for preachers for preachers for preachers about position for transition. But what I felt is I want to address this community. I want to address the Bay City Church. I'm addressing you in the physical, and I'm addressing us in the spirit. Because much like the animals on the Serengeti, the wildebeest, all of that, there's, I don't know if you've ever watched it, but they'll be grazing away, and there's literally a moment where one of them lifts their head, then all the others do, and they just know it's time to migrate. It's time to move, and our heads are lifting. We're smelling something in the air. We're sniffing something as a community. Something is happening. It is time to move. So, Isaiah. I want. I'll be reading out of Isaiah forty-nine verses eight to twenty-four. However, I am going to be doing it out of the Passion Translation, as I felt God really um, begin to speak to me out of it. But in the Passion Translation, what I I love most about it is that Brian Simmons always gives a overview, a beautiful overview of each book, but it's very spirit-centered. And I just want to read what he says about the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is a collection of prophecies that is more than a historical recording or teaching. It's the overarching vision of the heart of God revealed to his prophet. It spans the ages and touches every nation on earth, becoming a collective overview of all that God has planned. The message of Isaiah is one of victory, hope, comfort, and restoration. The themes of its prophecies are unrivaled in all scripture with a panoramic insight. Isaiah preaches the virgin of birth of Christ, the bride of Christ, and the new Jerusalem. These prophecies also present a description of the cataclysmic judgments, the survival of a holy remnant emerging in Zion, and the canopy of glory that is coming to the earth. Okay. Just uh, Sheldon did want me to mention he, he's not here next week either. He's actually a company of prophets. But he did want to reassure everyone that the rapture is not happening in the next two weeks. So it's all fine. He's still got time to teach on it. And you guys will be well prepared. So don't, don't stress. It's a company of prophets trip. And it's a, it's a good one. Interesting thing about transition, before I read Isaiah, transition is actually used when um, a woman is birthing, is in labor. It actually refers to the last part of birthing, the last part of labor, the most painful part, the part where generally as a woman you think, you question every life decision you've ever made that got you to this point, and you're like, get me out of here. And it just seems I've got so many non- women nodding at me. Just get me out of here. That's Transition. Um, I'm kind of feeling that. I'm just done when I look around (laughs) with what's happening in the world. And when you look around with what's happening in the world, the fact that you have to have a documentary made called What is a Woman to say what a woman is, is alarming. It's alarming. But do not be alarmed, because there is one who told us of what was to come and how we can deal with it. So we're going to read. Bella, if you could put that up for me. It's longish but it's well worth it. I love the title. When it starts in uh, verse 8, it says, God's faithfulness. Yahweh says, when the time of showing you favor has come, I will answer your heart's cry. I will help you in the day of salvation, for I fixed my eyes on you. I have made you a covenant people to restore the land and to resettle families on forgotten inheritances. You will declare to prisoners you are free, and to those in darkness, step out into the light. They will be like sheep that graze beside the roads and find pasture on barren hillside. They will never be hungry or thirsty. Neither scorching sun nor desert one wind will hurt them. For he, the loving one, will guide them and lead them to a restful, restful, renewing streams of water. I will level all my mountains as a road for them and raise up my highways. Look, they come from faraway lands, some from the north, some from the west, and some from the land of Sinem. Sing for joy, you heavens. Shout, you earth, and rejoice with dancing, shouting and glee. Burst into joyous songs, you mountains, for Yahweh has comforted his beloved people. He will show tenderness and compassion to his suffering ones. But Zion has said, Yahweh has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. I'm all alone. I don't know if that's run through your mind in the last kind of three years feeling a little bit forsaken, a bit forgotten. But Yahweh responds, But how could a loving mother forget her nursing child and not deeply love the one she bore? Even if there is a mother who forgets her child, I could never, no, never forget you. Can't you see? I have carved your name on the palm of my hands. Your walls are always my concern. Your children, your builders are running back to you as those who ruined and destroyed you are running away. Lift up your head and look all around you. See, all your children, your builders gather to come back to you. As surely as I live, I make this promise, says Yahweh. You will wear them all like jewels as a radiant bride wears her beautiful jewelry. See, Your ruins and devastated places will soon be overcrowded with settlers while your destroyers stay far away. You thought you had lost the children, but you will hear them say, this place is too cramped for me, make more room for me to live in. And you will say to yourself, where in the world did all these children come from? That's um, what Joe Partridge says every Sunday when people come to register their children. (laughs) Where in the world did all these children come from? Who birthed them? You birthed these for me. I thought I was bereaved and barren. I thought I was all alone, forgotten in exile. So how did they all get here? And this is what the Lord Yahweh says. Soon I will raise my hand and signal to the nations, and they will come with your little boys bundled in their arms and your little daughters carried on their shoulders. Kings will be their babysitters and queens their nursing mothers. With faces bowed to the ground, they will lick the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am Yahweh and I will never disappoint those who entwine their hearts with mine. Who can snatch the prey from the hands of a mighty warrior or rescue captives from a conqueror? But Yahweh says, the prey will be freed from the mighty warrior and the captives will be rescued from a conqueror. For I will fight with those who fight with you and I myself will save your children. I will cause the violence of, oh sorry, Let me just stop there. Oh, and let me just finish. I will cause the violence of your oppressors to come back upon them. Yes, please. And your enemies will kill one another in a killing frenzy. Then all the earth will know that I am Yahweh, the Savior, your Kingsman Redeemer, the mighty hero of Jacob's tribe. That's a good scripture. It's also very relevant for today. And isn't it interesting, as I was reading the scripture and the promises that were in it, the first thing the enemy did was, that's Old Testament, it's not relevant for today. Then you know you're on to something. It's very relevant today. Everything in the word is relevant for today. So I'm back to my favorite word, um, breakthrough. Yep, we're going back there just for a second, because I think I'm beginning to work a few things out. I've often preached from here saying that breakthrough really bothered me, the whole term breakthrough, because it sounds like one moment you don't have anything, then the next moment you do, and actually it begins to breed a, an apathy. Oh, I'm waiting for my breakthrough. Okay, Susan, has it fallen from the sky yet? No, it hasn't. Let's be real. However, miracles do. Miracles happen. The breakthrough I'm finding is more of a process, and it's the process by which we have been in. So it's much like birthing a child, breakthrough. You're excited for the child, pregnant, this is going to be, this is, you know, you have these romantic ideas, especially when it's your first one, and it's just so lovely, and then reality hits, but anyway, no, if you haven't had children, it's lovely, it's very romantic, (laughs) it's everything you ever thought it would be, and more. But you get to the point where you've now, in the transition part of labor, you've birthed the child, and it's. oh it's a, So essentially, the miracle is birthed. You're holding the miracle. The miracle also keeps you up every single night. The miracle also doesn't stop crying, even though you've changed the nappy, you've fed it, you've done everything under the sun. The miracle is still crying. And yet the very next morning the miracle will smile at you and you forget everything of the pain of the night before, only to go again through it the next night. Now, that was just my experience. I'm sure it's happened to nobody else. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a clue. But for me, that's a bit like breakthrough. You've birthed your miracle. You're holding the miracle. But the miracle, the process of the breakthrough is a little bit up and down. There's the joy of a baby's first smile. There's the joy of watching them take their first steps. There are these joys, but in amongst it all, it is banging your head against the wall of like, why is this child sick again? How many antibiotics do we have to be on again? And, you know, it's the process of breakthrough. It is not utopia. And I think this is where the charismatic church has really done us a dirty, in selling us the version of utopia, that your breakthrough equals utopia. Utopia is this is the definition of the Google. It says, utopia is not on that page. No. (laughs) Oh, there it is. place where everything is perfect. Okay. The only place I know where everything is perfect is heaven. Okay. I'm, we're not there yet. So therefore a breakthrough is not going to mean that everything's going to be perfect. Okay. There's some stewarding of the breakthrough. And I feel as a church, we've basically been in transition and breakthrough for a very long time. To the point where I've actually... I've despaired Because I've thought, well, I how much more must we do? How much, how much more must we pour ourselves out and allow the Holy Spirit? What, when does the breakthrough happen? We've been in the breakthrough. It is breaking through. However, I've just forgotten that the baby can keep you up during the night and exhaust you. But you know there's this thing where we've understood breakthrough to be, okay, one day I don't have, the next day I do have. And we, as the charismatics, or maybe just me, I have said, okay, when breakthrough happens at this point, so if three million rand arrives in the church bank account, that equals breakthrough, that equals, oh my goodness, we're here, it's happened, we are rolling. And you start to live your life a bit like that. When this happens, when so-and-so in my family gets saved, then it's all just going to work out. When this money arrives, that's breakthrough. Then I know God is, God is with me. It's, that's just not how he works. And I had a very interesting conversation with my very unsafe friend, Kerry, who I had asked her permission if I could share the story. So she's saying to me, yes, no, you can share the story, but don't forget to add such and such. So at at this moment in time, an unsafe person is preaching to you. Then you know the Lord is working. (laughs) Kerry lost her job um, during lockdown, and um, there were a lot of months she didn't know how those debit orders were going to run, and a lot of months she even asked me to pray for her. And she said, you know, Kathleen, what's interesting in that is I said to myself when I was in that time, when... I pay off my debt, or when I'm earning this amount of money, then everything is going to be fine. I said, yeah. Well, she did pay off her debt, and she is earning very good money right now. And she said, you know what, Kathleen? It doesn't buy happiness. I said, Kerry, I know. It doesn't buy happiness. And she said, I realized I'm living my life saying, when this happens, then I'll be happy. When this happens, then I'll be happy. And as Christians, we do the same thing. We just spiritualize it. Okay, we just spiritualize it. When this breakthrough happens, when God moves for me this area, when this happens, then I know. No, we can't live like that. And this is where transition begins to play itself out. And I, I started to really detest the word transition because when Sheldon and I started taking over the church, we started. Uh, we took over in twenty fourteen, and the transition actually for us started in twenty twelve. I feel like I've been transitioning for almost 12 years, (laughs) just waiting for the moment, waiting for the moment. But here are the signs that the transition is really beginning to hot up. When we understand the word transition and what's happening around us now, we'll be able to steward the miracles that the Father pours out and increase our capacity for more. But as humans, we don't like transition because it involves change, and we as humans really detest change. I was chatting to Claire the other day, and she's, she has a, a, a hip issue that she's getting some treatment for. So I said to her, I said, well, how's, how's it going? She said, well, it's a bit different. She said, it's still sore, but it's a different kind of pain. It wasn't the pain that I had. So I said, oh, that's interesting. And the woman who was doing the treatment explained to her that this area of her hip The fluid that was meant to be there hadn't been there for years. But now with the treatment, the fluid was beginning to run through that joint. And actually the pain she was experiencing was the joint beginning to absorb the fluid that it hadn't had. But it was painful. But it was a different kind of pain. This is what we're going through. It's the pain of change. And as charismatics... We want nothing to do with pain and suffering. We really struggle with that concept. And if anything, the Lord has taught us in the past three years what faith really is, what trust really is, and what it really means to face what the world is throwing at you and to not be shaken. I have been shaken. I'm not going to lie. You can't read the news and not go, Oh, my goodness, what is happening? But I also can't read the news and go, It's fine got my rapture mat ready to go. It's been dry cleaned. It's on its way. <laughs> we are out of here. It's fine. Okay. They can do whatever they want to do. I, we're out of here. If you're thinking around the rapture is a rescue plan that whoopsies, God got it a bit wrong, but don't worry, we're going to get out of here and the flames will just sing just a little bit on the buttes, but we'll be fine. I'm sorry to break it to you. We have to have a right understanding of that end. Because that end is the culmination of everything our Lord and Savior has put in place. It is the beautiful plan that comes together. It's not like, oh, now the earth's going to blow up. The earth is the, His and the fullness thereof. You know, when he tempted Jesus, the blessing of the Lord will take it. Because the dough burgers are coming down in December and they're going to use all our water and our electricity. But anyway, that's a story for another day. <laughs> They're already arriving, eh? Shame times are tough in Joburg. The, the thing is, is that now I've lost my train of thought. You know, when you hit 40, you don't do that because then you don't know where you are going. Hey, where was I? A culmination. Thank you. culmination of everything that God has planned for this earth. And the earth is his. So when, when Satan was tempting Jesus, he wasn't tempting Jesus, well, if you do this, and if you do I will give you the earth. The earth is the Lord's. That's yeah. not his to give. Yeah. But do you know what he was tempting Jesus with? The systems of the world. Yeah. The systems he put in place back back then that we are living out today. From the banking system to the governmental system, these are all systems of the world to keep you trapped and to keep you enslaved. And probably for the first time in my lifetime, the number of people waking up to what's going on, and the number of Christians going, I'm sorry, no, this is not on. We are the Ecclesia. We are going to shift this. I'm not waiting on the steps with my rapture mat for the rescue plan to happen because I just can't bear what's happening in the earth, season. If there's Susan in the room, I'm sorry. I have to give Karen a break. So then we shift to Susan, you know. Karen's had it hard. Yeah, Karen, you know. It's, it's been a, a tough couple of years. There Yeah. So we're shifting to Susan. So if you are a Susan, it's not you. Um, Anyway, well, I'll skip past that before I get myself into trouble. But you know what I'm saying? We're not waiting for the rescue plan. We actually have to be awake and look at things. But you don't need to be fearful. So why on earth am I saying, oh, there's transition in the air. I can smell it. But can you smell the rain? I did not expect rain today. There you go. But transition is in the air, and this is why I say it is so. Two weeks ago, um, I snuck into the church. I hadn't been here for the first session that Sheldon did on um, the end times as I was ill. So I snuck in the next week still feeling rotten. I did not feel well in my body at all. And the plan was, come in, you sit down, you shut up, you get out, back to bed. Fantastic. And then God started to speak to me. And I'm telling you, it was like, you know when you're like, Lord, so many other saints in the building, like, they can do this. And he was like, no, there's something that needs to shift off you that shifts off the people. So I thought, okay, I can do this. been in ministry a little while. I'm slick. I've got this together. Share the word. already have processed in my mind how people will respond. It'll be neat and tidy. I will sit down. We will leave. I'll get back in my bed. I got this. And I'm sure God giggled because he was like, oh, if you only knew what was coming. I was not prepared for the response that happened that morning when people were coming to the front. That Farnes was even saying he was looking at the floor and there was just teardrops <laughs> everywhere. And I must say, I was praying for people, bawling my eyes out, not because I felt for the people, but also like, God, this is so different. I, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Am I ready to steward this new thing you want to bring in? I think we've, we've almost convinced ourselves like yeah, the new move of God is coming, the new move of God is coming, and we're all oh, la la la. But actually, at the same oh goodness, I hope it fits this box. And yeah, now we've kind of done this one before, so we know the strategy. We don't know the strategy. And that's where I realize actually this is the pain of change. It's completely out of our hands now, it's completely in His hands. So his spirit is starting to flow into places that have been dry for a long time. If you walk away with anything today, walk away with a picture of the hip and that fluid beginning to run over when you start to feel the changes. On a personal level, um, Sheldon and I, we did celebrate 20 years of marriage, and I do celebrate that because I have a lot of people my age, friends that I grew up with that also got married around the same time and didn't make it. So I do celebrate that milestone. But you know, in marriage, um, probably the hardest thing I've ever, I've ever done, to be honest. It challenges you. It challenges your selfishness. It challenges everything in you. But in 20 years, we, we've had a good marriage. I have a good man. But there are thinkings and behaviors that come into a marriage that you, you kind of just accept and work around. You know, you're just like, I love this person. I'm going to work around it. And some unhealthy habits can form without you even knowing it. Well, in 20 years of marriage, this is how you know, transition is happening. is when God begins to deal with something and you don't even realize it's happening. It's painful when it started to happen, because you're like you're questioning everything. But he started to gently bring up things in our marriage where it wasn't quite right. It wasn't going to help us in this next season. And that's when you know transition is beginning to happen, is when things are starting to come up, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your personal thinking or with other people, relationships. Transition is also a time where some people leave and some people join. People you thought you were going to do a journey with are no longer here. That's okay. That's part of transition. It's part of God and and he's working. It's nothing to freak out about. But transition is a wild place if you lose sight of the promises of God, it can become very chaotic. I'm going to pull four promises out of Isaiah that I've just read. I will answer your heart's cry. I have made you a covenant people to restore the land. I will resettle families into forgotten inheritances. Any families needing some inheritance right now? I have not forgotten you. You are carved into the palm of my hand. Your walls I will remember. What I love about the Passion Translation is his notes on each verse. This is the note on that one. It says, some commentators will reference the walls to the walls of Jerusalem. But a personal application is that wherever you are today, your limitations, your walls are before God's eyes. He knows where you are at and what you face. That's a promise. That's a promise. Get his promises before your eyes. So transition is chaotic. For some, it can require a job change, a move of house, a geographical move completely out of the country even. It can involve the breaking of bad habits, breaking of bad behavioral cycles within yourself and with others, even thinking around plans for your future that you thought were good, but now maybe you're looking at it and going, actually, I'm getting a fresh per- perspective and it's looking a bit different, that's transition. It can also mean pain from the past that has been shoved in a neat little box might be beginning to surface. Don't fight it. Get help. There's help here. But face it, it is time. And in everything I've just read is a place for the enemy to have an absolute field day. There's nothing more than he likes in a bit of chaos. Because he can jump in and really start to convince you this is all him and not God. And when our, when our focus shifts to this is the enemy, this is the enemy, this is the enemy, you, you don't actually take a minute and go, well, what is God wanting to do in this? When you're so convinced it's the enemy. He plays in that. That's why he's, you have to have his promises. If you haven't had a promise from God, A promise is not necessarily a prophetic word. A promise from God is even if you are reading his word and something jumps out to you, that's a promise. If he's spoken to you and you've journaled something down, that is a promise. Get those promises before your eyes. Stay rooted in his promises. You know, we've had many promises over this house, over... Do you know that we're 30 years old next year as a Bay City church? That's three decades. That's that's some, that's some going... I've been here for 24 of those 30 years. We've had many promises. The most recent in, say, the last decade have been, we will, become, we will be an Elisha house. That was from Chuck Pierce. We will be an apostolic base. We will be building and owning more buildings and having much resource. I'm so tired of seeing into the unseen. (laughs) I just want to see more in front of me. Like, oh, there it is. I want to see the breakthrough. No, we're in the breakthrough. But I can sense it on the wind. And the the Holy Spirit wanted me to say say this to you. And I I ran it by Sheldon first. All I can say to you, church, is watch that parking lot. Watch that parking lot. Something is beginning to birth. A seed is beginning to sprout on that parking lot. Is there anything now? No. But it's coming. It's coming. The picture I had of transition and where we are at at the moment was that of a lazy river. I don't know if you've ever been on a lazy river. So you basically have a blow-up tube, and you jump on it, and you just sort of go with the river. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to paddle, you're just floating. And I felt God say this, basically church, you are on the lazy river with me. However, you need military-like concentration and discernment in these times. So it's doing it from a place of rest, but we are focused with precision on what God is doing and what he is saying in this time and what he is not saying. A couple of weeks ago, I'm I'm a very empathetic person, so I pick up on everyone's feelings and emotions as if they're my own. So when someone is asking for money on the side of the road, I'm like, oh, their situation, and what about their family and their extended family? And I I go so deep into everyone's problems that I get a bit full. I get full quickly. And part of what I went through my breakdown was learning just how to decompress and just filter things out and where the boundaries go anyway I'd reached that point and Sheldon gave me this look of like I think you need some time on your own because I think I was getting a bit much for him and I don't know if you've ever done this and I encourage you to do this spend a day with the Holy Spirit and so I, I had like a little plan in my mind so you get in the car or you go for a walk and you say okay Holy Spirit where we're we going and he gives you a little idea before you go, but that's just your own thoughts. Well, yeah, but it's also a great practice on hearing the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do. So I headed off to Seapoint because I knew in my mind I really wanted a bagel. And there's a beautiful Jewish place called Klein'ski's that does amazing bagels. I knew that's what I wanted. Because, you see, I live by a clock in my head. I wake up, and the clock is naught, 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 naught. And it's like a stopwatch. And the moment I open my eyes, the stopwatch is going. And I find myself rushing through my whole day trying to get things done before a time. And for the first time, I stopped and I said, what am I trying to get done before 3 o'clock? Like, what's going to happen at 3? Like, is somebody going to arrive at my house and beat me because I didn't get things done by 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Like, it's bizarre. But for most women, actually, we run with the clock in our head. Get done, get done. Because there's a lot we have to do. We are multi whether you're working and you've got kids and you're trying to fit it all in. But actually, it was the enemy, he begins to drive you with that. So I'll just read you what I wrote that day. I live by a clock in my head in my daily life. And over yearly time, I drive myself to think, finish things by a certain time. Then I can rest. Do you know the interesting thing is I never do? What is that? If I'm done by this time, then I can rest. And then I fall into bed. And I'm, exactly. By that time, I've done another 25 things. And I'm like, now I can rest. No, doesn't. And then I get into bed, and I'm absolutely exhausted. So what was that all for? Time is always dictating to me and controlling me. I'm totally chained to it. Yearly, in order to survive and to be able to keep going, I put things mentally into a calendar from either a road trip, a new car, and I say to myself, by September, this will happen. And in a way, it does work. It keeps me going. But when September comes, <laughs> still don't have a new car, I still not got gone on any trips anyway. I realize I'm left disappointed and mad with myself that I set myself up once again for hope deferred. Don't blame God for your hope deferred. Self-check yourself. Are you setting yourself up for hope deferred? Just driving to Seapoint today, I felt God say, stay in the slow lane. Um, If anyone has driven with me, slow is not uh, the speed that I go. My daughter's looking at me like, yep. Um, The fast lane is where I like to drive in my little sewing machine. Test its limits. And he said to me, stay in the slow slow lane and watch me redeem time. So I stuck in the slow lane. There's a couple of Susans in the slow lane, eh? And I'm trying to be all like spiritual and like, it's fine. Come on. Again, I was rushing. I had nowhere to rush to, but I wanted to rush to get there. It's just so bizarre the way we live. So, in the slow lane, there was no rushing and there was no striving. In the slow lane are many trucks. There are many trucks in the slow lane, and there was a specific truck that day that was in the slow lane. And my thought with this specific truck driven by a male Susan was um, (laughs) there. And I said to myself, it's fine. I'm just going to nip quickly into the fast lane and then I'll be and it'll be fine. And did the Lord say, I don't think so. That goes against everything we're trying to achieve today. Stuck behind this truck in the slow lane. Do you know, the truck did move, not when I wanted it to move, but it did move in God's time. It moved. The truck moved, and I was on my way again. <laughs> and I, would, so I felt God say, "I will remove the obstacles, not instantly, but I will remove them." Yeah. The interesting thing about that day um, is, I really detest the slow lane, um, but I've learned that there's lessons to be learned in the slow lane. Was that? for some, I don't know why it's the three o'clock for me. Like, I have to have everything done by three. I don't know what that is. But in my mind that day, it was like, I need to be home by three o'clock. <laughs> there was no reason for me to be home by three o'clock. I had no children to fetch. My darling husband was doing all of that, so I could have time off. Then in my head, it's three o'clock, three o'clock, three o'clock, because the man's going to arrive at the gate and beat me if I don't have everything done by three o'clock. <laughs> so I spent time with God, and I I did a little walk, and I, I wrote some things down, and it was all great. And I just actually did let it go for for a moment, and I just let it go. Do you know that I arrived back home at three o'clock? <laughs> and God was like, "That's our redeem time. That's our redeem time." And as we approach December, South Africans in December, hey? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've done it too. It's fine. December's coming, and then it's all just going to. and we're just going going to be calm, and we're going to be at the pool and at the beach. You forget that quite literally Gauteng, the entire province, is coming down, especially this December, if you didn't know, because, you know, this is the promised land. We love the Gautengers. But there's this thing in South Africans of December is the time for rest. I can't tell you the amount of Decembers. I get to the 1st of January. I'm even more exhausted than I was in the November. And then I'm like, waiting for the next December to come, or for the next moment to come. It never works. When will we ever learn this? I don't understand us as humans. And I thought I said over the Bay City Church, I'm going to redeem time. So you're not going to wait until December. Oh, December the 15th, that is the day, and then rest will come, because rest never comes. It doesn't. Let's be honest. If I look back over the te- past 10 years, I've not actually rested in December. Let's be perfectly honest. It's a lie we tell ourselves in South Africa. It's all going to be fine. It's going to be so calm. There you are stressed out trying to do the Christmas shopping with all the Joe Burgers and everybody else. And, and the traffic. Oh, what are we doing? Let God redeem the time. Give it over to him put yourself in the slow lane, deal with the Susans, it's okay, he will redeem the time. So Bay City Church, we are in transition, and it has been painful, it hasn't been straightforward. Nothing with God is straightforward, because he wants to teach us so much while he's doing it in us. But what I can say is this, even as I smell the rain out there, something's happening, don't get those December blinkers on where you're just like, I'm just going to get through December and I'm going to have so much rest. And oh, 2023 is the year for me, sister. Because 2022 was supposed to be the year for you. Well, it wasn't for me. It was hard. It was the hardest out of all three since 2020. 2022 sucked. Okay? 2023 is not going to be the year for me. My brother and my sister-in-law moved, uh, they actually immigrated to the UK um, last year, December, and my brother-in-law kept saying, oh, you know, this door is opened and that door's open, it's a year, it's their year. Yes, like if I hear him say it one more time, I'm going to freak. Where's my year? When's my year going to happen? Just a day, actually. I take a day at this point. Where's my day going to happen? An hour? Can we compromise on an hour? Just an hour when it's going to be my hour. My time to shine. Yeah? Everyone else is shining. No, but when you get down to it, people aren't shining. People are struggling. Whether saved or unsaved, you know, I've got this group of amazing Zumba buddies, but they're struggling. Life is hard. Life is, it's constant. Every single thing just keeps coming up. And then I have to go, but if it's looking this chaotic, what's God doing? where's he transitioning interesting you always hear that I say uh, listen to the prophets yeah listen to the prophets this is what two two prophets Nate Johnson and Lana have said this very week I'm breaking family yokes says the Lord that was Nate Johnson um Nate Johnson I heard the Lord say do not fear for I'm building Goshen do you remember I preached on Goshen Lana Voza, your tears were seed sowed. Your arms are now being filled with the blessings and the harvest, a harvest overflowing. She also said this week, he is putting wheels on dreams. Mm-hmm. These aren't things you thread through your eyeballs. Yeah. Okay? This is God speaking. If he is speaking, it means he's doing something. I'd like you to stand with me. And we are going to do a declaration. The heading of this declaration is hope restored. Because I feel like the enemy has tried. He has come at our hope. He has definitely tried to take it, you know, by convincing us that, you know, 2022 is the year for you and 2023 will be the year for me. He, he almost baits you into setting yourself up for hope deferred. And we're not going to be baited as a community anymore. We're going to stand firm and have our hope restored, eyes on that parking lot Church, pray over that parking lot. Something is beginning to birth and happen from the most weird source. But anyway, that's God. Okay, Bella, let's go. And just notice, look how I changed it. Today I decree. There we go. So not we, they, everyone. Okay, one, two, three. Today I decree that my hope is restored and springs forth as a tree of life. I say that every delay is converted into acceleration. I prophesy that every setback becomes a setup for something greater than I have ever dreamed. I break the spirit of delay and say that I will receive a new sense of anticipation and confidence. I pray that blessings increase and fullness will break loose and overflow upon me and my family for this current season. I speak to my future and destiny and declare that all God has planned for me cannot be aborted by the enemy in Jesus' name, and good things will begin to manifest before me It's a season of good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, So, Sally, I'm just going to pray over us, and I just also want to just pray over what God has done on this men's camp because the order has been set, and I can feel the enemy jumping. uh, he, He has jumped this whole meeting, actually, and that's fine. The order has been set. And what God puts in place, nothing can underhandedly take away. So, Father God, we want to thank you for what you are doing in this season, Father God. I want to thank you for where you have led us as a community and how you have led us as a community, Lord. Nothing has come easy, and I'm actually grateful for that, Father God, because the fight has been worth it for what you are established. So, Lord, I thank you for our men. Lord, I seal over every single man what you have done in their hearts for the freedom that you have given them, for the breakthrough that you have given them, Father God. I seal that in the spirit, Lord, that as they return. Turn home today that the women would notice the marked difference in their men, Father God, and that the order of heaven has been set in this house today. And the rain that is busy falling outside is a sign of your blessing of what is to come. Lord, I thank you that you are the redeemer of time, that we do not have to wait for a particular month in the year, but that you redeem all time and you give rest to us, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that the picture of the Bay City Church, we are on our lazy river but we are focused with determination and with discernment for the times ahead, Father God. We bless your holy name, Father. Would you go with us? Would you be with us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you.